0: Hello, my wonderful friends. Welcome to Faith FM Drive Time. Welcome to Big Q&A. This is the show where we respond to difficult questions concerning God, faith, contemporary religion, and Bible. This is the show where we look at the world's religious trends in the light of Bible prophecy. I am Nick Prita, regular host of the South Australia Weekly Bible Study. This week, we are looking at biblical morality in the third millennium. And today, uh, we are simply asking, does the Bible's teaching on morality make sense? Our co-host today is Pastor Gary, minister of the Brighton Seventh-day Adventist Church and a regular host of Big Q&A. This is Gary's Last day before a month on long service leave. And we want to keep him on the hot spot still as much as we can. (laughs) Gary, are you a person who enjoys travel? Yeah,
1: yeah, Nick. Hey, can I say firstly that I'm uh I, I'm really believe I'm leaving um our big QA in fantastic hands at the uh at the present time. But I am really looking forward to uh to a time of leave, to some uh some some local leave around here, just being able to do things with family for the next month. Uh this is really going to be exciting. Am I a person who enjoys travel? Uh well, yeah, I am actually. I I I feel that I've been richly blessed, uh, Nick, through uh, through my life because on many occasions I've had opportunity to travel to international destinations. It's probably something that we won't be doing uh, too much in the in the very near future for for obvious reasons. I was just going to ask. I mean, uh, how long will be your trip this
0: time? But uh, it looks like you are a bit. Uh, uh Restrained here. Uh, uh, Indeed
1: I am. In fact, it's probably international travel is probably if I have a hobby, that's. Probably my hobby. I I just think of some of the places I um, I remember travelling to the Middle East. To me, that was a that was a wonderful opportunity. Just spending time, you know, in the lands where Jesus and the apostles uh, walked uh, to Europe, uh, to the US, uh, to the Pacific, uh, Mongolia. I remember going across in the Trans-Mongolian Railroad across the uh, Mongolian Desert. Uh, that's an experience. That is a real experience. That was about. Over ten years ago, wasn't? Yeah, that was about ten years ago.
0: I did that particular yeah, trip. I remember when you went there. Yeah, you know, yeah, and okay. sent us some
1: pictures from there. You know, I had opportunity winter to winter preach. Time? Yes, in middle, oh, no it wasn't winter over there at that time, it was a shoulder season but uh, we had a wonderful time being able to preach the gospel in uh, that part of the world. Just recently it was a it was a real privilege to be able to go to one of the uh, uh, Pacific nations, the nation of Kiribati and just do some teaching out there and uh, you know to me uh, we really understand some of the challenges that our third world countries have and I hope and pray that the coronavirus never hits those particular countries because uh, they, they don't have the medical facilities. They don't have the backup that countries like us do have. Do you know? I come, I come home, and you understand how incredibly blessed Australia is in every way. And uh, to me, my heart goes out to so many, particularly of our Pacific neighbours. And we partnership with uh, with
0: Kiribati. Uh, we are very happy to do that. I remember I I went there a few years ago myself in uh, yeah. uh, Tarawa and then in Abemama just going over that beautiful island not a very not a touristic uh, attraction but a very
1: Beautiful, beautiful place. I would love to have a holiday there. Yes, well, it's certainly off the tourist track of, in a significant way, and yet it's something that you you look back on and you say, "Hey, the Lord has certainly blessed." But look, uh, Nick, if I can throw a question at you: um, What uh, the program next week? Now you're going to be leading a program, big questions about prophecies. I, I understand it. Now, can you tell us something about that particular program? What are you going to be sharing? Uh, yes, Gary, well,
0: look, we, we are thinking what to do to fill into these big shoes, you know, which you leave behind here, but uh, we are um, thinking to look into prophecy, uh, and we are going to ask uh about the secrets of prophecy, you know, you know, when you talk about prophecy, not everything is very clear, but if you know the Bible, the Bible tells you, the Bible is explaining those things, and we are going to talk about who will control the world, for example, Mm. or um, signs of the time. We live in a very special time and uh, many people will have all sorts of uh,
1: uh, ideas you know. That's uh, so true actually isn't it Nick because what I'm conscious of is that um, I've had so many people actually uh, come to me uh, certainly ever since the things that have been happening this year because if you think of this year we sort of look at uh, okay we kick off with uh, with bushfires here in Australia and before that's finished and uh, we move into coronavirus and before that's finished we have economic upheaval and you're sort of people are saying goodness me it's only June, and we're um, already um, through all of these things, and yet, you know, what a lot of people don't realize is that the scriptures have actually got a lot to say about the times in which we're living.
0: Exactly, and as you just pointed out uh, uh, well, uh, that particularly in Australia, here we were uh, quite heavily hit recently, you know, and people are asking those questions, Is this the end of the world? Yeah, you know, we are going to address this from the Bible. How will the world end yeah, yeah and you know uh, later on uh, in the last part of this month we are going to also approach more difficult questions like the mark of the beast for example yeah. 666 what the bible has to say about these things is the bible mentioning these things or is just the kind of man
1: made uh, scary, a big scary one, actually. stuff you know? a big, that's a big <laughs> one because if you actually go onto the internet it's, it's amazing the number of views that there are on the internet about those particular subjects and yet once you start to understand the principles of per- prophetic interpretation that we do find that scripture talks about itself, what you find is that there's actually a, a, a lovely coherence that starts to come together. And you paint a picture that many people stand in awe about when they finally, the penny finally drips, drops that the, the scriptures are in fact talking about our day.
0: And, you know, Gary, this is what we are going to look into, to find those keys who can unlock those secrets of prophecy. Yeah. You know, if you have the right tools, if you understand the Bible, if you allow the Bible to interpret itself, to explain the things, then you're, you're not running in in troubles. Mm-hmm. Like uh, many other people, you uh, know, prophesying all sorts of things, and after that they have to hide themselves, you yeah. know, because uh, didn't come to fulfillment. Th- but Bible prophecy, it's accurate
1: 100% yeah. Tell me Nick, if you had any people that have uh, that have how, how have they responded when you've presented this material to them Look,
0: I, I'm running one actually through Zoom uh, okay. uh, right now and now towards the end of it um, and we have people from all sorts of backgrounds, different churches, different culture and they are amazed of the fact that how simply the Bible explain if you know the yes, Bible yes. and look into, uh, to parallel the yeah. passages of the Bible, not to take out of context things, yeah. to understand
1: some principles there, to to be able to uh, interpret uh, this... Uh, because there certainly are some significant principles within the scriptures aren't there that once you understand the principles and you understand uh, for example that there are certain symbols that have meaning and that the scriptures themselves actually interpret what the meaning of the symbols is and when you can actually put the two together there's suddenly some aha picture it's almost like you know a child's picture book you know we understand right. that in this case here this particular picture actually means this particular thing and to me, you know, I, I well remember when. Uh, well, I remember so many occasions when people have they've stood in awe when they've realised that the Scripture is actually its own interpreter. That's true, and you know, people have all sorts of questions, and
0: sometimes difficult ones. Not always you'll find answers, easy yeah, answers. Yeah. And I remember just somebody pointed out to me one of the presentations, say, "Look, uh, I'm not coming tonight. I'm struggling with this subject tonight. Uh, Happen to be on hell," and I said that's okay you know but he was continuing coming for the rest of it you know I like when people are uh, sincere you yeah. know open to say look I struggle with this
1: yeah. I don't yeah. uh,
0: you know I d- but let's learn together
1: and, and, and people are seeking though, aren't they? You know, to have those people actually there seeking and searching, to have people uh, desiring to dig into the Word of God, to me is one of the most beautiful things because, you know, the Word of God is actually a revelation. It's been given to us by the Almighty God for our benefit and it's only a matter of us picking up and finding out how do we actually interpret these scriptures that, uh, uh, that, that will lead us to, uh, to a very, down a very beautiful Path.
0: Yes, and, and that's what we are going to do for the next month uh, or so while you're away, Gary. Yeah. And uh, right now, I'm just inviting everyone who's listening. If you are if challenged by uh, these presentations, you know, these uh, programs, um, get back to us, you know. Write us a text or a, a phone number. We'll provide the phone numbers and uh, uh, emails if you like to write to us and uh, come on board.
1: Yeah, we are yeah. going
0: to discuss these things and we have very good um, co-hosts on this uh, people who can answer some tough questions.
1: Yeah and, and Nick I, I really support that I just really like to emphasize that uh, you know if you uh, have often wondered about biblical prophecy this is probably one of the best series that I know of. I know I've taught this series many times myself and each time uh, people are just amazed what actually comes, comes out of the word of God and uh, I just encourage you to come and join Nick and our uh, co-host our, um, Q&A co-host our team and uh, I believe you'll be richly blessed. Absolutely It's uh, probably the right
0: time Gary just to take a short break right now uh, we'll play um, uh, a song with uh, Bill and Gloria um, Gators because he leaves and we'll be back in a
2: second How sweet a hold. Our newborn baby, and feel the pride and the joy that he gives, but greater still, the calm assurance. We can face uncertain days I don't care what the headlines on CNN say tomorrow We can face uncertain days Sing with us Because he Oh, that's good And because
1: Hi, my good friends, this is Pastor Gary. I'm daily host of Drive Time. I'm excited to be able to share with you a wonderful opportunity commencing Monday, July 6. I've invited Nick, Creta and the Drive Time team to deal with big questions of prophecy. This series answers some of the most profound and relevant issues that are impacting the Christian world in the early third millennium. Who is going to control the world? How will the world end? Who is the Antichrist and has he already come? This is your opportunity to see what scripture reveals of a war that is hidden to most of humanity. The first presentation commences at 5pm South Australian time and 530 on the East Coast on Monday the 6th of July. This is a series that you just must hear. Welcome
0: back. You're listening to Fate FM Drive Time Big QA with Nick Krita. And our co host today is Pastor Gary. Pastor Gary is a regular uh, host of this program. You know him now. And uh, this is his last program before a, a well deserved uh, month of uh, holiday on long um, service leave. And as I said a bit earlier, we want to keep Gary in the hot seat and I will throw to him a few questions just to to answer today about uh, this uh, big topic. Uh, Does the Bible's teaching on morality make sense? Pastor Gary, please share with us what is this um, uh, topic? about. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Uh, Nick, uh, thank you so much for that invitation. Really do appreciate it. And you know, one of the, uh, one of the real challenges in ministry at this particular point in time is actually dealing with some what I would call hot button, uh, subjects and issues and this is certainly one of them at this particular point in time you know i'm so conscious that out there in the um in secular land today there's certainly a view out there that the bible is largely irrelevant when uh, talking about issues like uh like marriage the family sexuality the bible was written so long ago that who who would really trust it in in the contemporary day and age and yet, today, I believe that what the Bible teaches is actually more relevant today than it 's ever been. I will remember um, the opening presentation by um, a minister of many years' experience. I had gone to a uh, to a conference that was touching on a lot of contemporary issues dealing with questions that so many people have got about the Bible. He he stood up. He wasn't a member of my particular faith. Uh I had uh I had received permission to go and join these ministers and uh he started to talk uh, to his fellow ministers. They were all of a uh, of another denomination and he said something that resonated with me because I thought this is something that could be s- said to so many pastors in so many different denominations. This is what he said. He stood up and said, you men, and most of the people in the room were were men, in fact, all of them were were men, um, are not being very consistent in your preaching. Now, when he stood that, I thought my hair stood up, and I thought, well, what's he going to say? You have a great deal to say, he said, about social justice. Now, of course, social justice is things like race issues that we're actually experiencing today, but you're silent on morality. Now, when he said that, I thought, oh, oh, okay, Um, uh, and he then asked a one-word question. He simply said, why? You see, what he said was this, Scripture has as much to say on morality as it does on social justice, but, he said, you are all silent on the subject. Why? You know, when he said that, I a number of things did come together for me he said this I'll tell you why it's safe to preach on social justice issues but nothing is more politically incorrect than to preach on morality and what he said I had to resonate with because I thought he'd actually nailed something on the head he had nailed uh, this issue you know I couldn't help but agree with him how easy it is to major on politically correct social justice campaigns, things like anti-discrimination, equal opportunity, wealth distribution, but ignore the scriptural teachings on morality. Do you know, it's, um can be even a, a bigger mistake when a church picks on one particular area of morality and focuses on that, without also looking at the entire scope of what the scriptures say about morality. The church does appear and by the church I'm I'm going right across the board. Do you know I even include my own church in this particular uh, subject. The church is largely silent on the issue of morality. So what does the Bible actually say how relevant is it well earlier this week we actually came i think it was on uh, on monday we had we had Joseph. He he came and one of our co-host uh, uh, team. Uh, Joseph presented a wonderful biblical understanding from the book of Genesis. And what is he? What he did was looked at the origin of marriage. And his key text was actually uh, Genesis uh, chapter two and verse twenty-four. And it said this: Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. You see, what Joseph pointed out on Monday was that what we had here was a a coming together of male and female, but significantly it originated in the book of Genesis right back at the very beginning. Uh, You know, to me, I believe that was incredibly significant. But what a lot of people don't actually realise is that Christ actually picked up this passage of scripture now we're actually Christians we follow the teachings of Christ now on one particular occasion the scribes and the Pharisees the religious leaders of his day it's amazing how sometimes um, religious leaders like to major on theology without looking at some of the practical outcomes and that's exactly what is happening in this particular situation Uh, the religious leaders of the day come to Christ and they start to talk to him about the subject of marriage and divorce and Christ dialogues with them and uh, backwards and forwards but in Matthew 19 and verse 6 and he picks up this particular verse that occurred that had been comes from the book of Genesis and he says this so then Christ is speaking they this is husband and wife they are no longer two but one Therefore, what God has joined together, let not man separate. Now, to me, Christ is picking up the verse that was presented by Moses in the book of Genesis. In Matthew, Christ looks at that verse and he says, God has joined together, let not man separate. What is that what Christ is doing here, I suggest to you, uh, Nick, is that Christ is establishing a covenantal act. You see, marriage, by virtue of what it is, is actually a covenantal act between two people. Now, you know, to me, that's very powerful because what we've got here is Christ declaring what marriage is when two people come together, when they present uh, their their vows they're forming a covenant before God now it's true that in different cultures that covenant is established in different ways but do you know one of the things that remains consistent is that there is such a thing as a covenant as far as the scriptures are actually concerned how important is this passage? You see, marriage, according to Christ, it dates back to the time of uh, to the time of creation, and Christ regards it as something which God has put to, put two people together. What I I'm suppose I'm, I'm saying here, uh, Nick, is that this is not just a civil contract mm. do you know nick um i don't know how you find it but you know there are many civil contracts today we uh, uh we form a civil contract when we buy a house um, when we buy a car um and increasingly the marriage contract is being regarded as a civil contract but do you know within the scriptures? It actually elevates marriage beyond that. It says, no, 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 no. It's actually a covenant between two people. Yeah, you know, a contract, as you just said,
0: Gary, you know, people are uh, using all sorts of force to amend, you know, some of the contracts, you know, to make it easy in the for, uh, to, to suit different parties. But as you just said here, we are not dealing with a contract here, but with a covenant, which, again, a covenant, it's in between somebody and another party but also God is here the one to keep
1: this going yeah. this covenant that's exactly right you know we're not we are not talking a, a relationship between just you and me a marriage according to the scriptures is actually a three bonded affair it's male and female with God above and it's a covenant God is the one who has established this relationship And I suggest to you that only God could actually change it. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Absolutely. But Nick, the thing that jumps out at me is that what we actually have through the rest of Scripture is that God is involved throughout all of the rest of Scripture in protecting his gift. Man, because of sin, attempts to break down this gift But God is constantly in place trying to protect and put boundaries around this gift in order to protect it the best that he can. Now, it's true that there are different forms of marriage that come in. But do you know, we find continually it's actually linked to a thing called sin. When a person has moves away from God, they move away from his principles. When they move away from his principles, then you have a thing called sin. When sin comes in, you get pain and suffering, heartache and disease. That's the way that it works. And, you know, uh, to me, I don't know about you, but I have seen uh, so many people in incredible suffering... Because of the uh, the issues of uh, of relationship, where they have moved away from the principles that God has actually given, how have you found it? You know, Gary, uh, because I grew up in a different part of the world where um,
0: uh, marriage was very important, and uh, uh, break down marriages. To be honest, I um, when it happened to someone was a big thing, but. In a modern, you know, time we live in, when even in the church, more probably around 50% of the marriages ended up in divorce in the church. Those people who uh, believe in God and have some principles. You know, this is more than a, just a trend. Yes, This yeah. is a, a big uh, hit from the enemy, the enemies of God, who was always Against and unhappy with God's plans, and He will hit family harder than anything else yeah. today. And this, you know, the family, the nu- nucleus of society, you know, when you have a dysfunctional family, then you can control even the rest of the things in the world.
1: It. You know, Nick, one of the things I'm so conscious of is that we're actually living in an incredibly disposable era. Everything that we do is actually disposable. Now, I recognise that there are some times when relationships do break down and uh, I recognise that there are some times when relationships can't stay together simply because they have become so dysfunctional. But, you know, I think it's important that we have a clear understanding of what God's ideal is and where marriage came from and the purpose of family because only as we understand what the ideal is do we have a reference point upon which to look at everything else that might be happening within our society. Um, and, you know, for and, exa- and Gary, if I could just interrupt you, I think what
0: we did and we are doing now, we dropped the guard, you know, and while you drop the guard, you are exposed. That's it. And that's it. As, you, as you just said, it's sad to know and to realize that some families, even in a good, solid, uh, you know, units, they may fall apart. Yes. For various reasons. But when you start to think, oh, you know what, it's not a big deal. Happen to to the other couple, and happen to even a better uh, couple, and so on and so forth. We drop the guard, I think. That's one of the
1: things which… Well, it's interesting. Christ, in talking to those scribes and the Pharisees, he actually spoke to them and he said, uh, Moses allowed divorce because of the hardness of your hearts. In other words, the hardness of your heart. What what does he mean by that? He means that, hey, within the heart of each individual, there is a thing uh, called, called sin. And this relationship breakdown can be ultimately tracked back to this issue of sin. But do you know, I think it's so important that we don't move move away from our understanding of what marriage actually is. It's a covenant between two people, a male and a female, and God. It's been established way back in Eden. Christ, in Matthew, in the Gospel, Matthew's Gospel, calls it a covenant. It's a covenantal relationship. This isn't a simple contract. And then what we find throughout the scriptures is every time God is involved, what he does is he moves to protect the covenantal relationship. Now, you know, to me, uh, I'm conscious that today the Ten Commandments are not in Vogue and that's a real pity But you know in the Ten Commandments Three times Christ has a go at being able to establish boundaries to protect the institution of marriage. Do you know, if I if I come to uh, uh Exodus chapter 20, which is where the uh, 10 commandments can be can be found, uh you actually find three times family is actually mentioned. You find it in the fifth commandment and this is what it says, honor your father and your mother that the days may be long upon the land which the Lord your God is giving you. You know what is actually happening here? What God is doing is protecting the family of origin. He's saying, children, young people, your mum and dad are important. And I am expecting that you will love, care and respect those older people. Uh, But what if they're not good people? What if they're not, what if they are sinful people? Honour your father. And your mother. Do you know, to me, some of us have come from a background where uh, certainly our family of origin has been far from perfect. But, you know, I think God is actually laying down a principle here that speaks even to us.
0: And, you know, Gary, I struggle with that uh, commandment, you know, uh, in life because, yeah, we have different backgrounds. and But when I realize that the only commandment which is followed by a promise... That if you respect your uh, parents, yeah. if you honor your parents, you live longer <laughs> on yeah. this uh, uh, earth. And you know, on that on that question, many people are turning their backs to to family units, yeah. you know, to their yeah. parents and and their loved ones, just because they are looking at them and say, "Look, this person doesn't desa- uh, deserve uh, um, you know yeah. respect." Yeah. And but if you follow the Bible, you are walking on a safe ground.
1: Exactly. If and you
0: start to look at uh, different ways in a, in the what's popular, what's in in fashion, if you like to say so, then you risk
1: and you you walk on dangerous yeah. ground. And what we, and what we find is continually in the scriptures, and certainly in the Ten Commandments, you get these boundaries that are being established. You know, you get the family of origin is protected in the fifth commandment. By the time you get to the seventh commandment, it simply says, Thou shalt not commit adultery. Now, of course, now we're moving into the new family. And what's he saying here? Well, what's adultery? Well, adultery is actually having relationships with somebody who you haven't had a mar- put into a marriage covenant with. You know, this... Is really significant, because what we 're doing is we 're protecting the new family. Uh, see, God cares not just about the family of origin, he cares about the new family. God cares about the family. And then I love um, uh, verse 17. This of course is the tenth commandment, and this is what the Tenth commandment says, "You shall not covet your neighbor 's house, you not shall covet your neighbor 's wife." You shall not covet your... What is it to covet your neighbour's wife? Well, of course, Nick, that means that I have a desire for somebody else outside of the marriage relation. You see, Nick, to me, what God is trying to say here is that I want the two people. I want the male and the female. I want you to be a close unity with nobody else else is able to come in and break that relationship. You know, I think what God's actually talking here is emotional uh, commitments because, you know, one of the things that I'm so conscious of in my ministry is I've seen relationships formed where uh, possibly it might not have even been a physical relationship, but what we've actually had is people have uh, come together and emotionally they've actually had uh, somebody else as their support outside of the family family structure what the 10th uh, commandment's actually saying here is i don't want you to covet i don't want you to uh, have re- the the male female that relationship is to be reserved for your husband or your wife what god is doing here is protecting The marriage relationship, the one that he, the covenant that he established back in Eden, the covenant that Christ spoke about in Matthew's gospel, the Ten Commandments actually protect on three occasions. Does this make sense? Is this is this reasonable? Do you know? To me, I'm so conscious that in a world where I am seeing pain and suffering. As a result of illicit uh, sexuality and relationship breakdown, to me, this is immensely reasonable. You know, to me, is the Bible out of date in saying these things? I that's a good question, actually. Where should we look
0: uh, when we struggle, when we have these uh, uh, things coming uh, up in our lives? You know, Gary, if i ask you, if somebody will come to you and will say, look, I struggle with this. Look, I'm tempted. What is the Bible
1: saying about... um Nick, I think the reality is this, is that we are all tempted. Do you know, we live in a world today in which I think of particularly the media. Mm -hmm. The media, I believe, has got a great deal to... um, um, to respond to on this particular issue. You know, we can put on our television sets uh, any night of the week and we can find an incredible amount of incredibly stimulating material. Uh, You know, one of the the things that I'm I'm so conscious of here is that uh, the media has actually set up an environment where it's physically almost not possible. It is possible, but it's almost not possible to actually live... With pure thought, mm-hmm. it is possible, however, and we 'll come to that in just a moment. Do you know I, I think that one of the really important texts here actually is a uh, Christ again in matthew 's gospel because in matthew's gospel, Christ actually expands on the command See Christ and uh, is into protecting this relationship, he's into uh, cutting out the pain and the heartache that comes as a result of illicit uh, sexuality, illicit relationships. In uh, Matthew chapter five, verse uh, verse twenty seven, what you what you find is this: You've heard that it was said to those of old, "You shall not commit adultery." Well, where did that? Where did you hear that of old? Well, of course, that is actually in the Ten Commandments. But I say to you that whosoever looks at a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Uh, If your right hand, and then Christ uses this analogy, it's actually, I call it a little parable. If your right hand causes you to sin, um, if your right eye causes you to sin, pluck it out and cast it from you. What is Christ actually uh, saying here? Um, What he's actually saying is I want you to take the most extreme action necessary in order to deal with this issue of sexual sin.
0: And that's Matthew 5, uh, verse 29. That's, uh,
1: that's tw- and, and, and with many people, can I suggest that that actually means uh, turning off the uh, incredible Hollywood block- blockbusters? And, and Gary, uh, this is
0: a form of, uh, you know, amputation. You know, it's like it's a form of amputation. And, it's exactly and what And how it is. can you apply that one uh, spiritually? You know, if you are tempted, if your eye causes you to sin, how are you going to plug out your eye physically? What sort
1: of cuts you need to Well, your cuts do. may have to be uh, to uh, the programming that you're actually feeding your eyes. This is what Christ is actually talking about here. It, it, he's not wanting me to get a skewer and to somehow uh, plunge into my... Because, of course, the biggest challenge is actually in my brain, not in my eye. Plucking my eye out actually doesn't solve the problem. But, you know, uh, turning off the illicit material that's uh, causing stimulating thoughts uh, could actually have a major impact on my life interesting uh, a statement here Gary says that uh,
0: you know falling into sin you know and um, experience sin you need to run to Christ you know that's the first thing you know and this requires action it's not good enough just to pray and then say God will stop me from sinning is not good enough. God expects us to obey and act in his strength. Prayer is vital, but true prayer requires true heart, which results in real action you have to do something beyond that I mean you give it to God because that's there the strength is actually, comes from.
1: there is actually an incredible power in prayer and and this is something that I, I'm so conscious of you know uh, it's it, it's physically possible to say hey I can't deal with these particular issues do you know one of the things I think the scriptures actually do point out to us is that there is incredible power in coming to Jesus Christ himself because Jesus Christ uh, is actually able to change the way the mind operates. I think of Philippians uh, chapter two. It uh, Philippians in Paul is writing and he says, "Let this mind be in you that was also in Christ Jesus." Now is Jesus' mind naturally in me? Well, no, it's not. But do you know, one of the things that I believe is able to occur, when I come to Jesus Christ, I am born again. There is a new heart, a new mind that gets implanted within me. I start to think new and different thoughts. The trains of thoughts start to go in a different direction. Mm. And do you know, the things which were not natural previously Start to come in. Yes, there may be some some times when I fail, but there's a train of thought that starts to change. That's what conversion does. It actually changes the heart. You know, Nick, there are some people to today who who suggest that, you know, if we just had good education, that is actually sufficient. Well, actually it's not. No. You see, education is good, as far as it goes but it actually doesn't go far enough you see the biggest problem according to the scriptures with the human condition is that the heart according to um, the prophets in the old testament is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked in other words the natural human heart actually doesn't like The things of God. But do you know when I come to Christ, I pray I I talk to to Christ I give myself to him. There's an experience that uh, is talked about in uh, John chapter 3 and this is uh, Christ talking to Nicodemus and where Christ says you must be born again. You see when a person is born again it means that a new heart will I put within them. They start to think different thoughts. Philippians chapter 2 starts to talk about this, uh, this concept of let this mind be in you that was also in Christ Jesus and so as a person's mind is changed then their understanding of the things of God becomes clearer and I like how you put it Gary
0: uh, change direction because uh, unless you make that start point you know to start changing then you are still going into the wrong way the wrong direction. Gary, I am um, I'm conscious of the fact that we are running uh, out of time very quickly. We'll just to- take a short break right now and we'll come back in uh, in a minute Before just you. to conclude. Welcome back. You're listening to Faith FM Drive Time a Big Q&A with Nick Rita and our co-host, Pastor Gary. Gary is our uh, regular host of this program, but he is uh, f- uh, for the last time with us for about a month while he is taking a long service leave. Uh, Gary, we were just listening to that beautiful song Marching uh, Towards Zion. You know, we're living in this sinful world where wherever you look, you see just pain and suffering, mm. wonderful promise you know that God wants us to really uh, keep our eyes uh, directed to that promise yeah. of the heavenly yeah. uh, city yeah. uh, we are We are going to um, wrap it up somehow uh, gary
1: and uh,
0: uh, what would you like to just add? Yeah, I think from, I think Nick, if I can
1: just uh, just bring it together because I am conscious we are starting to run run out of time. Uh, do you know one of the things that uh, that really jumps out at me is that we have got a God that has created a covenant at the very beginning. Christ spoke about that covenant, and it's recorded a number of times in Matthew's Gospel. Uh, Then we find the protection, the protection walls that God placed around it. We find at least three examples of that. In the Old Testament, in the, um, in the Ten Commandments. Do you know, to me, that is actually incredibly powerful. But as I go to the book of Revelation, there's something else that jumps out at me because there's a passage here that uh, talks about uh, God's end time people and it says this and the dragon and the dragon of course was Satan himself was enraged with the woman the woman in the uh, book of Revelation represents the church we'll actually find that in our, our prophecy seminar and he went to make war Satan went to make war with the rest of her offspring who keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. Now, you know, to me, this is incredibly important because what it means is that God's people who are living, who are rescued from the earth, have actually got some identifying marks. And one of the key ones is they're actually keeping the commandments of God. Now, you know, to me, I look at those commandments and three of them actually have to do with the family. These, this is really an important uh, teaching to jesus christ because jesus protected the family you know i'm a, I'm a christian i want to do what jesus does you know it's so important it's so easy to be politically correct today it's so easy to not respond to what the scriptures are actually saying but i think that in these particular in the passages what what christ has shared with us i think is incredibly relevant for the day and the age in which we are actually living. And just one final thing there, uh, Nick. Uh, so many times people say to me, but Pastor, what about King David? You know, King David, man after God's own heart. Uh, he's a man that, uh, he committed adultery. Do you know what many forget is that David was in fact, like you and me, a sinner. Mm-hmm. Dan, uh, uh, David made many mistakes. When David sinned with Bathsheba, He was rebuked by God because God called it sin. David, as a result, wrote Psalm 51, confessing his sin, and God forgave him. Now, to me, I think it's a very beautiful picture here. God protects his institution of marriage. David sins against it. He sins by committing adultery with Bathsheba. God rebukes him because he's protecting the covenantal wall. David repents and as a result of repentance, God forgives. Do you know, I think that really says something to us today. Maybe one of the most significant answers to the issues that we're facing is actually repentance in our world, Nick. Let's go to uh, uh, to another question, though, if we can. Can I just throw this uh, this question to you, though? Um, many people today do suggest that the Bible's uh, stands on sexual morality are no longer relevant for the uh, early decades of the twenty first century. But what they uh, we've been talking about that, but hasn't the horse already bolted? You know, how do we present? Christ's radical teachings in a post-biblical increasingly secular world? How do we present these these teachings? And, and Gary, probably this is a,
0: a very, very good question to end the program with because, yeah. you know, we live in a time when um, many people will say, oh, is that, that's in the Bible, you know, that's uh, old-fashioned. And we are talking about people from the Bible, like David you mentioned yeah, uh, yeah. before. But Are we not experienced today, in this time, in this secular uh, period of history of this world, the same pain, the same suffering, the same struggle with with all these issues? And wouldn't it be that wonderful to turn ourselves back to the Bible, to the source, where we can find the solution to this troubled world and troubled uh, you know, um, breaking down families.
2: Yeah,
1: I think I think Nick. To me, what this is saying is that if ever there's a time when uh, the, the Christian church uh, has to actually challenge the values of its society, it's actually now. This is a this is a huge need at this particular uh, point in time. Do you know, I I think of First uh, Peter 3, uh, 15, and this is where Peter says this: "But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts." Sanctify that means to set aside Mm. Have the Lord God in your hearts And always be ready to give a Defense to everyone who Asks a reason for the hope That is in you but do it with meekness and fear. Do you know, to me, this talks about not just the necessity to be able to present biblical truth, but how I actually do it. You know, this what this is saying to me is I have to do it with kindness and compassion, because what we are doing is challenging the very values of our society. Do you know, Nick, I I believe that that's actually our greatest need for us today.
0: That's right, Gary. And our time it's, uh, it's up. We are just coming back for a prayer, but just let's have a quick uh, ad uh, thrown here and we'll be back with you in a second.
1: Hello, my good friends. This is Pastor Gary. I'm daily host of Drive Time. I'm excited to be able to share with you a wonderful opportunity commencing Monday, July 6th. I've invited Nick, Creta, and the DriveTime team to deal with big questions of prophecy. This series answers some of the most profound and relevant issues that are impacting the Christian world in the early third millennium. Who is going to control the world? How will the world end? Who is the Antichrist? And has he already come? This is your opportunity to see what Scripture reveals of a war that is hidden to most of humanity. The first presentation commences at 5 p.m. South Australian time and 5.30 on the East Coast on Monday the 6th of July. This is a series that you just must hear.
0: And please join us next week for this wonderful series. Uh, Pastor Gary. I'm conscious that uh, many people uh, are struggling today with uh, the same issues which
1: you you raised up. Would you be able to pray uh, for us? Let's pray. Father in heaven, Lord, we come to you now because we want to say thank you for the beautiful gift of marriage. Lord, thank you for the beautiful gift of family. Uh, Lord, thank you that you created both marriage and family. Thank you for establishing that covenantal relationship. Lord, we invite you to be the third person in that relationship. Lord, if there's anybody who's struggling because they've gone over the boundaries at this point in time, I just want to pray particularly for that person. Lord, I pray that as they raise their hand right now, Lord, that they indeed might be forgiven. Lord, I pray that they might return to your boundaries, to your safe boundaries, Lord, there's a process involved. We know that. But Lord, may we return to those boundaries. I pray that you might put in our mind a new new mind, create a new heart within us, take away the heart of stone. And Lord, may we uh, live according to those principles that you have established for the day and age in which we live. Lord, these things we ask, we pray in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen.
0: Amen. And thank you for joining uh, Nick Rita and Pastor Gary on Drive Time Big Q&A today. Please join us next week when we commence a series where we'll look at the big prophetic questions of the end time. Really looking forward to see you. But until then, please remember, Christ said, I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give isn't like the peace the world gives. So
2: don't be troubled or afraid. May God richly bless you.